Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the Wesson Walker Show. Aaron Rodgers again. Uh, I, 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 I think if I come back, I can win another MVP. No, you can't. It's Wes. I, I, I can't. I don't want to do the dunk. I don't want to play an all-star game. The season's too long. Get out of here. Zion, get back on the court. And Walker. But somebody said I looked like Kyle Singler one time, and I wanted to fight him. No, 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 don't point. Don't point. Don't Walker, point. Walker Filipowski. No. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. I still need to learn swimming lessons. <laughs> oh, judge me. Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wes's hatred for Aaron Rodgers still as strong as ever, I imagine. Yep. After hard knocks, completed earlier this week. Didn't talk about it yesterday. Finished it last night. I did too. I'm I'm in. First time ever going through it all the way. And I loved it. I know it's going to be different when you have Aaron Rodgers making the change from a historic franchise, having a fantastic career, with that franchise. So there's a lot of storylines to pay attention to, but I'm in. Loved everything we got. I know you don't like Aaron Rodgers, but do you put that aside and still say this was a good addition of Hard Knocks or was the hatred for Aaron Rodgers too No, real? overall, it, it was pretty good. And I think that when you talk about the last episode, I thought it was pretty good until the end when they went to the, the show or whatnot. And, and then it started to get a little boring. But other than that, when they were showing the guys that made the team, because I know the Jets had made a big deal about not wanting cameras to be in there when they cut yep. somebody. So that was pretty cool um, when you saw those guys making a team. But I felt like the other episodes were a little better. You got the trash talk. You got a little bit more uh insider type of stuff when you heard some of the language and stuff that was going on out there so i thought the last episode was a little lackluster but overall pretty good hard knock well and aaron Rodgers, by the way i it's not like i disagree with anything anybody is saying about how this was somewhat of an infomercial i just thought it was hilarious with all the other stuff that they showed yeah it was I, and plus their defensive coordinator I, i'm ready to play some football right then and there yes i will get knocked out but I did like what I was hearing from a lot of the coaches too. Like and Robert Sala, my girlfriend was watching. She said, Man, we you know hear plenty of cussing. <laughs> every single time that guy talks, the F word is going to be said every other word in any sentence. Yeah, and you know what? I I'm normally here for the lingo, but that did get on my nerves a little oh, bit. He the said defensive it coordinator the just kind of struck me just as a fake tough guy. Like, oh, I'm like, no, all right, no, dude. I, I know real. the bravado. Like Come on, everything he said, it was the most important thing ever said, and he's dropping F-bombs left and right. I'm like, can you talk without using an F-bomb, please? I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was getting on my nerves. He, like, he he got on my nerves. See, for me, not not that I dislike Salah. I actually like Salah a lot. But I felt the cursing was a little more natural from the defensive coordinator. Mm. From Robert Salah in front of the whole team, it almost felt like – See, I felt like Salah was more strategic. Well, it, no, I don't think there was much strategy. I think it, it, <sighs> unless the strategy was say it as many times as I can and still be coherent. <laughs> I feel like that's what he was saying. Yeah, I, I feel like that was his strategy. I thought he I thought he stretched him out a little bit more. But yeah, I mean, Salah too, though. I mean, I was just like, all right, like, OK, well, we also, did it. Well, also, don't I kind of want my defensive coordinator to be wild 
I want him to be the crazy weight training high school coach that says a whole bunch of stuff that you don't understand, mm-hmm. but the intensity is at an all-time high constantly. Okay, you like you, that. Well, you have to be outside of your mind to play that side of the ball. you got to be crazy, seeking collisions. I mean, I honestly, I would want it. I want you to smack my helmet, get me ready to go. I want you cursing me out. Can we do that before oh, yeah? the show? Wow. Can I smack you and cuss you out before we come on the air? Yeah, but see, I don't know. So then I would just take my anger out on you. Like, I can't go out on the football field and take it out on anybody. Take it out on the microphone. Take it out on the text line. Why has it got to be me? I don't think anybody would uh, appreciate me destroying the studio. Although I would try, and then I probably wouldn't be able to. <laughs> <laughs> like, take that, Mike. Mike would probably fight back and beat me. You know, swing around, punch me in the face. Look like a real Three Stooges type of fight for me. Well, the thing is, you have to worry about the engineer, Ron Tollison. Yeah. Who's, no, got, who's probably got that old man strength, would probably kick your ass with like three fingers. Don't want those problems. Don't don't want any problems with Ron. Just because, but also just because, yeah, I mean, Ron, we've talked about him. Like, a little something to him where you wonder, I think this dude could probably kick my ass a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I'm definitely intimidated. <laughs> and I don't intimidate easy. Yeah. Okay. Oh, speaking of bravado, you know, we were trying to have the distinction between logical, grounded confidence and bravado, the difference between Dion and Shador. I feel like we got Dion there from Josh Fitty Marlowe. I wanted to ask y'all, because you brought the point that it didn't sound natural when Sala was cussing. Who's the most unnatural person you've ever heard in your life cuss? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know if I'm prepared for it. I'm trying to think of anybody. I mean, Kasala, it's not like that was weird. It just felt a little too forced. Because he he only said the F word. Like, use another word, bro. He did. You're you're totally right about that, too. If he cursed, he was bringing out that F bomb. (laughs) Nothing else a part of his. Yeah, the DC as well. Well, and and it felt natural to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Maybe other people saw it a different way. I just felt it was a little more timed out. It was a little more, I don't even think it was strategic. It felt genuine to me. And I was ready to, man. Maybe maybe I'm just a sucker for that kind of thing. I'm exactly the, I was falling victim to exactly what they were trying to portray. And man, these guys are brothers. <laughs> this is a big old family. Yeah, go out there and win one for the Gipper. Yeah, man. I was totally doing that on the couch. Yeah, some of them it just comes across fake tough guy stuff to me, man. <laughs> I was just like, okay, whatever. Uh, Brendan said, "R.I.P." By the way, Bob Saget always felt Forrest. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I didn't watch a lot of his stand up. I just know him as Danny Tanner, but I do know about Bob Saget being very opposite of Danny Tanner during the stand up. Did you guys know this about him? I've I've heard that, yes. I've never watched any of his stand-up to hear it, though, but I'm not surprised. Um, Coach Jeff. All right, Coach. He said, Walker's built like a microphone. It'd be a good fight. <laughs> 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 oh, Lakey ass. Yeah, the nickname. <laughs> the nickname, it, it kills me again. All right, let's move on. I, let's let's get the attention off me, shall we? Let's do some X-Factors for the NFC South, and let's just start here. At home with the Carolina Panthers. X factor for me, I think it becomes the offensive a line. Total X factor. Yeah. Are we talking individual players? West is your world, dog. You do whatever you want to. It could be a fact. It could be a stat that was from last year. It could be a group. It could be a player. Okay. I just want an X factor and the world is yours. You can do whatever you want. So for me, I'll start and let you think on it a little bit. I think for me, the X factor became the offensive line after what I saw the preseason. 
because we can all feel okay about it getting back on track. But now it became a question mark. Wes, it wasn't really a question mark for me going into the preseason. I felt good. You could argue that it was one of the strengths of this team. And then I thought we would go to the weapons because that's still somewhat of an X factor. It'd still be an acceptable answer. But I think it becomes the offensive line because that's the most important. The number one overall pick, Bryce Young, I want him to be good. I want him to stay upright. And I can, if, if he stays upright, if he's for the most part protected, I feel good about him finding weaknesses in the defense enough. We, we got to see him play off platform a little bit in that game against Detroit. I, I just need him to be protected. So for me, at least in week one, I think the X factor is there up there with the protection. That's a great one. I mean, obviously, that's going to be something everybody's going to be watching, but I'm going to go individual guy. And I think an X factor for the Panthers, uh, not only in a per game, well, a per game basis, per season, whatever the case, whatever you want to call it, but I'm going to go with Miles Sanders. This is a guy, he's the only pro bowler uh, on this offense as far as recent pro bowler, and people can take that for whatever they want, but he still had almost 1,300 yards rushing uh, last season. And so this is a guy that I feel like that is going to be needed. I think he can really help this offense go, especially if he can get out there and come close to that 4.9 yards per carry average that he had in Philadelphia. And some people may say, hey, he's a product of the system, this, that, and the third. But at the end of the day, getting almost 1,300 yards rushing in the NFL is no easy feat. And so I think especially if you can work him into the passing game, give Bryce that check down that can – make some guys miss and make some big plays when the pressure might get a little hot from that offensive line that you're worried about. I think that that will be huge for them. So I'm going to go with Miles Sanders. Yeah, no, I, I think Miles, especially on third downs, we talked about it a little bit earlier this week. If we could have clarity on something, what would it be? Miles Sanders' involvement in the passing game, that's going to be a big deal because you didn't have a lot of guys, especially after McCaffrey was traded, that you could trust in the passing game coming out of the backfield. I wonder if Miles is that guy. So that's a good X factor. And for me, what I look for in, in this category, it's the wide range of outcomes. You know, for the for the weapons, I, I think you're probably pretty capped on a ceiling with these guys. I feel a lot more comfortable in, in knowing what I'm going to get going to get from them. Sure, there's, you know, it's a little dicey, but I, I feel a little more comfortable in knowing what I'm going to get. The offensive line, I think there's a wide range of outcomes there. Let's move on. Let's talk about their opponent in week one, the Atlanta Falcons. Not too many times, at least in my opinion, do you go to the quarterback as the X factor because it's such an important position. It's usually a cop out, right? So it's like, oh, okay, well, of course, they're going to dictate how the game goes. I wonder if the Falcons are going to be able to win a lot of games despite their QB or if he is going to help them by doing the whole cliche game manager thing because that's all you need. That's all you need with Desmond Ritter. I believe in their play caller in Arthur Smith, their head coach. Drake London, I think, is the real deal. B. John Robinson is a top pick for a reason. That offensive line got paid for a reason. I think Kyle Pitts is a sleeping giant. And for him to have 1,000 yards his rookie season, as a rookie tight end, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. I think last year was a blip on the radar as far as what his career is going to look like when it's all said and done. So if Desmond Ritter can be even close to average. I think that's really going to help this Falcons team reach the ceiling that a lot of these national pundits believe they have. Yeah, and so, I mean, I'm going to go with that one. I like, as far as just going with you with what you said, I like uh, that observation as well. 
And so when I look at the Atlanta Falcons right now, there are a lot of different places that you can go because they need a lot of help in many places. But I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts because when you look at this Atlanta offense, yes, Drake London is out there on the edge, but the rest of those receivers are unproven. Whether you're talking about Hodge, Mac Hollins, neither one of those guys have been uh, dominant players in this league for you to give Drake London a legitimate second partner in that passing offense. And so teams are going to, at least in the beginning, I feel like focus a lot of their coverage on him. And so if you are Kyle Pitts that had that sophomore slump last year, only catching 28 passes for 356 yards and a couple of scores coming off a rookie season where you crossed the 1,000-yard mark, only one touchdown, but still – if he can revert back to that form, if they can find a way to target him, this is still a guy mm-hmm. that can be potentially be a matchup nightmare for teams with his speed and athleticism. And I think if you add him to the mix, that gives you something else to worry about in a major way besides Drake London. So I think he's going to be the X factor for them because with that defense, uh, even if they improve, their best weapon, I feel like at this point, is going to be that offense and how many points they can score. So, and I was looking up the cornerback wide receiver matchups for this weekend in the NFL. Mike Clay does a good job of putting that article out every week as it pertains to fantasy football. And he was discussing how Jero Vero would have Patrick Sertan shadow whoever the best receiver was. So, J.C. Horn, you expect him possibly to shadow a Drake London on the outside. Jeremy Chin in the secondary could be another subplot X factor here because, okay, if the secondary locks those guys, it's tough to say lock them down, but do they play good enough coverage to the point where Desmond Ritter does not feel comfortable throwing whoever the football JC Horn. Can you take Drake London out? Jeremy Chin now playing that nickel spot. How much, Are you going to be put on the tight end? Are they going to be successful in lining him up with a linebacker and a safety, whatever? Uh, It'll be interesting with the secondary. Real quickly with the Saints, a lot of people high on the Saints, too, in this division. What do you think their biggest X factor is, thing that you're most or least worried about with New Orleans this upcoming season? Uh, I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with Michael Thomas. This is a guy that three years ago had a 150. 49 catch season absolutely ridiculous and I know that that ankle has been very bothersome for him and has taken him out of a lot of action but I feel like I'm a good law of averages guy and I feel like the guy can't keep getting hurt right I feel like the the injury problems at some (laughs) point have to stop persisting for this guy and so uh, when I look at the production he's able to have everything we've seen in the preseason it looks like he's back to some semblance of being a pretty good football player and so I think if you get him going along with the Lave, then once you get uh, Alvin Kamara back to go with Jamal Williams and that crew I think this is going to be a pretty potent offense if you get 13 even at 70 percent 75 percent of what he once was I'm gonna go with the age they're an old football team Got a lot of old dudes over there, especially on the defensive side that you're depending on this year. Demario Davis, very good linebacker, also 34 years old. Cam Jordan, last year I think was the first time we saw a little bit of a dip. And I've said it a couple times. I think he might be the most underrated pass rusher of the last decade. Like never a guy that was going to be top five, going to get this Brian Burns type money, what we expect from him. But just not talked about as much as he should be and has been in the league for a long time. But older. Tyron Matthew, older, I and had a good year, right? I'm not knocking him, but there's going to be a time where either they fall off the cliff or the production is going to come at a lesser value. If you look at bookies.com, New York Jets are the oldest team in the league. 
I mean, right there with them. It's the New Orleans Saints right there. And I wonder how much Aaron Rodgers makes the Jets the oldest team. If, the, if it wasn't for Aaron Rodgers, who's 40, then the Saints would be right there. So I'm a little worried about the age. Final thing, Wes, we can keep this simple. Is there any, like, what is the ceiling for Tampa Bay? And is there, what has to happen for them to reach their ceiling? I think for sure the Tampa, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, their X, X factor is Baker Mayfield. I mean, how good is he going to play this season? I think he has a decent set of weapons. Uh, I think he's got guys that he can get the football to. I think defensively they can be decent enough. Uh, this is a defense that's definitely suffered through a lot of attrition, but when you talk about the addition of Kalaja Kansi to go with Vita Vey and Levante David and all those guys, Winfield Jr., they've got some guys on defense, so it will come down to Baker Mayfield and what he's able to do, which Baker will we see, and a lot of people think we will see the bad Baker, but either way, uh, he's going to have some guys to throw the football to him. We know Baker Mayfield isn't a guy who's afraid to 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 let it fly, and so I think he's going to be getting those 50-50 balls up there for Mike Williams and uh, Chris Godwin as well. As long as they don't get traded, which is very possible right. <laughs> for Mike Evans. Yeah, I feel very confident that this offense is going to be among the worst in the league, like bottom five. The offensive line was bad for Tom Brady, and that offense wasn't clicking. So now you put Baker Mayfield behind a bad offensive line. There's just no way I can trust him. And I love Chris Godwin. I Mike Evans, how can you not? The guy with nine straight 1,000-yard seasons had been a red zone monster in the, the past. I just, I just don't trust Baker. I haven't seen anything from Kyle Trask. I think their biggest thing, the way they reach their ceiling, is if their defense isn't really good, but like maybe top three. Even top five seems a little too much on the conservative end to say, oh, yeah, they could reach their ceiling. I think if they want to reach their highest of highs, I think their defense, drafting Cansey, putting him alongside Vea, having Carlton Douglas, and uh, I believe Jamel Dean's still there. Those are That's a good cornerback duo. Antoine Winfield is a fantastic safety line. Their defense has a chance to be among the top five. I think they have to be lights out. I mean, just lights out at close to number one, number two level for them to be any kind of close to contending with any team week in and week out. That'll do it for the NFC South X factors. Let's get a move on and talk some college football. Get your whistles ready. Might need to call a foul on Wes. Find out on what coming up next sports radio, 92.7 WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back on an NFL Thursday on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ, keep hitting up that text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button on the Wes and Walker Show page on Twitter, WFNZ on Twitter and Instagram, at 
West Bryant underscore 72 at HTB underscore Josh and at Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what's going on. A lot of people out there uh, reacting to the Miles Sanders X Factor talk. A lot of people, uh, and I've seen this pretty much since they've signed him, but uh, Redhead One says that product of the system, but didn't Philly run a system similar to Frank's or ran by one of his disciples? And Spence said, Wes, I warn you that in Philly, Miles Sanders really benefited from Jalen Hurts' read option runs. Often they fooled the defense, and Sanders had big runs. Will that happen in Carolina? And I told him I disagree with that. I think that, yeah, he definitely benefited from some of that, but all 1,269 of those rushing yards didn't come off of some blown assignment from the defense on a read option. Well, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt, though. If, if you are a running back, and you want the best situation possible, Philadelphia is probably the best best team that you would want to run for, right? Like, unless you just didn't trust Jalen Hurts at all. Yeah, you get a light box, great offensive line. It's definitely a great combination of things there. Yeah, so I think with Miles Sanders, you know, being able to run as effectively as he did. The biggest problem with Miles, from what I looked at when they eventually agreed to this contract, is he wasn't very decisive. And that he wasn't, he didn't have great vision. I saw vision be a real flaw to his game. A great offensive line can really help you with that, right? Like you just, okay, well, pick a gap you want to run through. Doesn't matter because this offensive line is so good. And if we create this one for you, you're going to be able to drive a bus through there. There are some question marks, but I like Miles Sanders as a runner. And my biggest thing is all about the pass catching ability. Yeah, I wasn't the hugest fan, but for people out there that are saying he's a product of the system, he's been averaging over 4.6 yards per carry since he got in the league and actually had higher yards per carry averages in his previous two seasons. So uh, I don't think it's all the Jalen Hurts effect. But moving the page over to college football, Paul Feinbaum, friend of the ACC. He has definitely come to pick off the corpse of the Clemson Tigers Mm. after their loss to the Duke Blue Devils. He says Dabo's dynasty is over. Let's hear that cut from him and see if we agree or not. Dabo's dynasty is done. Uh, what else can anyone say, Greeny? It's, it's really been teetering for a couple of years, but what happened last night is simply unexplainable. This is now the third loss out of the last four games for Clemson, and, and quite frankly, I, I don't see any upside. They brought in Garrick Riley. That was supposed to be the savior. They had the quarterback that was going to be Trevor Lawrence's uh, wonderkind, and, and frankly, nothing happened. And they, they didn't lose to a Florida State or a Notre Dame or an Alabama or a Georgia. They lost to Duke, which has a very good quarterback, a nice program, nice being the operative word. They have nowhere to go, and, and Dabo's nonsense after the game isn't going to impress anyone. Uh, this, this program is, is flatlining right now. You know, Paul Feinbaum was sitting there rubbing his hands together oh, yeah. like Beatrice baby <laughs> Brian Williams from Cash Money uh, when he saw that game conclude. And so uh, the question is, do you agree with Paul's assessment? Yeah, I mean, I like NASCAR, Brad, also pointing something you said out. Friend of the ACC. Good one, Wes. Yeah, <laughs> Paul Feinbaum, not exactly the biggest friend to the ACC. Go scratch yourself. I think it certainly looks that way. It really does. If Dabo is unwilling to use the transfer portal at all, then that limits an avenue where he can go acquire talent. So that means you're putting all of your eggs in the, we're only doing the high school thing. That's that's the only way that you can get talent, which is still great, right? You can still utilize that. But how many times have we been banking on 
the QB that's coming in as a Heisman candidate. You had it with Deshaun Watson. You had it with Trevor Lawrence. You did get to the playoff with Kelly Bryant, right? I think yes, that was 20. Yeah. So, so Kelly Bryant being there, okay, you were able to you know, at least adapt with the kind of QB that he was, who was obviously not Lawrence or Deshaun Watson. But since then, you haven't been able to get back there. You go 10-3, 2021, 11-3 in 2022. Great records. A lot of fans would be very happy with that. The problem is you set the expectation so high going to the playoff and winning the championship four out of a five-year stretch that, you know what, this is not acceptable anymore. Or you're talking about five years. Excuse me. Just getting to the championship is what I meant in a four out of five-year stretch. So now it's not acceptable to not get to the playoff anymore. And then you start the next season going 0-1 and getting beat down pretty badly by Duke. I know Dabo was talking about how if his offense does what they did against Duke, except they don't fumble inside the 10-yard line, then they're going to be okay the rest of the way. That's not how I saw it. (laughs) I mean, I didn't see it that way. I don't think that they got bodied. I don't think that it was so gross. They were able to move the ball a little bit. But Kay didn't look great, but their wide receivers looked bad. They did not look like they were getting separation. Yeah, they're they're not nearly as dynamic as they used to be. I have no problem with what Paul Feinbaum is saying. Uh, I disagree, and here's why. I think we're having a knee-jerk reaction to Florida State having transfers that came in and played well on Sunday. When you look at Clemson and the recruiting that they've had pretty much since 2015, outside of 20, the 2017 outlier class, but outside of 2015, they haven't had a recruiting class that's been under 10th in the country. They have tons of talent. And I agree with Debo when he said that's not the reason we lost this game was the transfer portal. Come on now. How many guys did they have out there on the field that were five-star and four-star players? Kay Klubnick was a five-star quarterback. Will Shipley was a four-star borderline five-star running back. Like, Bo Collins was a four-star receiver. Adam Randall, like, who are you going to get in the portal? I know we saw Keon Coleman go out and go for a hat trick. I know that we saw, uh, oh, I forget the big tight end that came from South Carolina that looked good for FSU. Jaheim Bell. Yeah, Jaheim Bell. But other than that, come on, man. Like, they had a recruit that was one of the highest rated in ESPN's recruiting tenure in Peter Woods to go with Tyler Davis, Ruka Roro, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Like, all of these guys were top-notch uh, recruits. So I, I don't agree at all that Clemson needed to hit the transfer portal, and that would have made a difference in this game. It was turnovers, missed opportunities, and Duke just being a little bit better today because they don't have the quarterback. And I hate this narrative that people try to say that, oh, Dabo's not the same coach without Trevor and Deshaun. He recruited these guys. He didn't inherit Trevor and Deshaun. He had to go out and get those. So you can't try to take that out of the equation. But a problem that I do have is with linebacker Barrett Carter and what he had to say yesterday in his press conference, Fiddy, let, let's let's let the people hear. I think just game shape is just different. You know, you you go through practice and all that, and like you, there's really no replic like you can't replicate you know the speed of a game. So uh, just for me, just I just need to get some extra running in and just make sure that my uh, my conditioning is where it's, where it needs to be just to play four quarters or however long the game will take. But uh, so I realized that really early in the game, just like I need to get in better shape. But, you know, it's something that I've been attacking since the game. And uh, I'll be I'll definitely be ready for this for these next games that we have. Fitty, cue it up. Let's go to the foul line right now. 
<laughs> They'll look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. Mm, that, that was scary. I don't, even, I don't even know if I want to see that again. you got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? linebacker Barrett Carter. Let me tell you something, young man. One thing I've never seen from a Dabo Sweeney team is guys making excuses. I watch Clemson video logs all the time. I see the strength coach come out there and get me ready to get into the weight room when he comes out there and talking about uh, rings aren't for soft hands and all of these different things and how hard Clemson works. All I see is videos of them sweating and doing drills and talking about the work they put in. Now all of a sudden, and I don't normally curse that much on this show, but you get your ass whipped by Duke. Now I, I wasn't in football shape, and and that's why we lost the game. Nah, dog, we don't want to hear that. We don't want to hear after the fact you're discrediting your opponent, which is something your program has always been long. Uh, thumbing their nose against you don't make excuses you don't come out and say oh I, I i i wasn't in shape because all we do when we watch you guys is social medias is see you working out you're supposed to be one of the best linebackers in the country you are ripped to shreds it's not like this guy's 260 270 we're talking about a 225 pound shredded up linebacker who now after you lose the game you weren't in good shape had you won would you be out here saying that you weren't in the best game shape so I'm not feeling it. That was absolute trash by Barrett Carter. Get it out of here. Now, that's what I don't like. That tells me that things are going south when you make excuses. All right. So there you go. He goes the foul Get line. Get the hell out of here Carter with that. Told you. Yeah, that's a, it's not great. Well, you're hearing some weird stuff, right? Right. That's big trash. Right, Barrett Carter telling you that he wasn't in game shape. Are, are you going to get there after this week? Is that enough time to, to get in shape? Now, you probably aren't going to lose right. this week. But when you get into, I mean, is he going to take a couple of games? It was a week. I mean, what's he doing? Is he going every night to cook out McDonald's and eating pounds of fast food every night or something like that? Like, come on, man. We know Bear Carter in this Clemson defense, and I watch footage of these guys all of the time on these video logs, and they are just acting like they are working out, like they are going to run a 25-mile marathon, and now all of a sudden, when you take the L, it's, I, 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 I wasn't in shape. I got to. I love I the West Whitey boys. I got to go out and get in better shape. Nah, like, we don't want to hear that. That was absolute trash uh, from this kid. And, I mean, he, he had a decent game. He had six tackles and a tackle for loss. But don't start making excuses after the fact, especially using conditioning as an excuse because that makes your strength coach look bad and uh, everybody else involved. Does it make Dabo look bad? Yeah, because I'd say, oh, you're not in shape? Oh, that's why. Because, see, I'd be mad at my player for making an excuse like that because, for one, that makes us look weak. I'd say, oh, you're not in shape, huh? Okay, well, I'll keep you after practice, and we'll make sure you get in shape this week. Okay, so Barrett Carter, great linebacker, alongside Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Okay, so they're still getting very good defensive recruits. And yes. here we are just talking about the staying power of Clemson after they're, I don't want to say holding on by a thread. We do have to keep in the consciousness that this is a very good football program where we're acting like the sky is falling despite having only three losses the last couple of seasons. And so it's still a good program, even if they do drop this game to Duke. But I, I do want to talk about this a little bit more because the transfer portal, I'm with you about that's not the reason they lost this game. But it's not like people weren't talking about this before. Yeah, This has been a conversation point with Dabo. And you do limit a pool of talent that you just disregard because of what I consider to be stubbornness. Just to, like, what's the reason? 
that they're not a part of the culture that comes in as a freshman and they don't grow with you, so they're not a part of the family, so you oust them. I, I know we talk about Keon Coleman, but I think this kind of goes to show how talented the transfer portal can really be. Because if you go to transfer portal on three, you can use whatever publication you want to, mm-hmm. right? Different varying opinions, whatever. Coleman looked like a first-round pick immediately, right? Okay. Dude was ranked as the 26th best transfer in all of college football. Mm-hmm. 26th. You can talk about a lot of talent if I think he's probably past that after what we saw at Florida State, but it wasn't even the highest Florida State transfer. Fentrell Cypress, who you might know from Rock Hill, this is the guy that was transferring from Virginia over to Florida State. He was the third-ranked guy in that portal. You know who was second? Sam Hartman. We saw one ACC QB transfer within the conference and Brennan Armstrong. How much better is Clemson with Sam Hartman? Right? Like, you can go after positions that are weaker if you think, man, we're just oh, position here away, doesn't mean you don't. It doesn't mean you stop recruiting. It that's not what it means because that would be dumb too. My point is, why are you limiting yourself? Because now there's a cap at how much talent you are willing to go out and get. It leaves you that much slimmer of a margin for error to hit on these recruits who are four stars. North Carolina goes to this every year. Right, but Clemson's been hitting on these guys. That's why they were a mainstay. They have the second most college football playoff appearances. But that was was then. And I was going to ask you, like, what's a recruit in the last two to three years that could have gotten Clemson to the CFP out of the portal? Like, outside of maybe looking at a quarterback. But if I'm Dabo, why do I need to go to the portal when I'm getting four and five star and I'm getting a lot of five stars and four-star caliber guys? What what do I need the portal for? Well, receivers now, pretty clearly. I think even... We're talking about North Carolina having a big absence in Tez Walker. You think they could have gotten Tez Walker if they really wanted sure, to go Sure, but him? they haven't been recruiting receivers to the level that Clemson's been because you have to remember, a lot of these guys coming out of high school, now now, granted. But we saw what we saw last year. This is my point. Granted, We're ignoring a problem in what we saw last year. But he also brought in some more four- and five-star guys that he felt like, and then he had some pups that were in training that he felt like was ready to blow. Like Adam Randall was a five-star wideout. And he thought he was ready to go. Fair, but he's wrong, which yeah. still falls on coaching. Right. Right? You got something to say with the portal fitting? You know, you asked a player, well, imagine if Jordan Addison was in Clemson last year. And, and DJ, you has a legit number one wide receiver. Okay. And, and yeah. that's definitely going to be like, 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 Go like, ahead. Here, I'm sorry to like, cut Here's you the off. thing with Clemson. They don't need to overhaul it. The thing I took away from Monday, and, like I, and we struggle with this in college basketball when you're a fan of a historic program, you have to adapt. And they seem reluctant to go get the type of talent that they, I guess, maybe just need to add more depth to the program. Their NIL is good, but it's Clemson. You should have one of the best NIL fixtures in the country because you are a football school that operates like it, like like you see in the SEC. Well, they're not even really dealing with as much money as a lot of these other programs. And so that's the thing. It's not. They're still a great program. They're still probably going to win the ACC, for God's sakes, this year. That's no longer the standard there. It's playoff, national title, or bust. To get back to that level with Georgia, uh, Alabama, Ohio State, USC back in the fold, they need to get up with the times because if not, they'll still make the playoff in an expanded playoff field. But their days of winning national titles, they're probably done. But see, the thing is, too, every program goes through this. Outside of really Alabama, every program goes through a little spell to where they're getting recruits that everybody wants and they just don't work out. And so I think that automatically a lot of people like to point to different things. Now, to Fitty's point, you go get a Jordan Addison. Sure, that could, that could probably change a few things and maybe you could pinpoint some guys that are going to be real, real difference makers that are ready to come in. But it's 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 not often the Bolitnikov winner is going to hit 
the transfer portal. But like, but that's that and that's I think my point too, right? I mean, you saw what those receivers did last year. Mm-hmm. And if we saw that DJU, you especially been singing this all offseason, that DJU wasn't the problem. So if you saw what they did in college last year, then you don't got to go get Jordan Addison specifically, but there are other receivers that could come in and help you or whatever. I don't want, I don't want to get so lost into the weeds to the point that I'm arguing solely for wide receivers. I'm just pointing out a weakness with Clemson right now, which we all agree. The skill players aren't phenomenal. And so that's what I'm pointing to. Cause George is not, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. It's just, you're, what you're doing is you are limiting yourself compared to other schools that are ready to go to the college football playoff. And to me, it just doesn't make any sense however you slice it. You can say, yeah, we can still get there. You're totally right. Dabo could go out there, recruit everybody that is a five-star, and get the top seven guys in a row, one through seven. And it still doesn't make sense to me that you would just disregard the transfer portal. I, can you make it make sense to me? Because I don't get it. Georgia's not killing the transfer portal. Well, and, and they win a national championship. And, and they don't have to right now. Right, but that's what I'm saying. But when Clemson was when Clemson was at their apex, they were they were getting the recruits and they were hitting. Well, they, they were got hitting. the 10th and 11th guy in the transfer portal this past year. So right. they are going after the But portal. I'm saying in a championship, like when you look at Georgia's roster, it's not just littered with transfer portal guys. They're making it happen but, off of great recruits. And when Dabba was doing that, that's what they had. You're hitting on Deshaun. You're hitting on Trevor. You're hitting on T. Higgins. You're hitting on the Power Rangers. But every program goes through this where they hit a low, where the recruits just some of them aren't hitting, and it sets you back a little bit. And then bit. you know what they do? They, they do what the Georgia. Portal. They do what Georgia just did and go get two of the top 11th ranked transfer portals. Like the the thing is, the transfer portal guys. Georgia's not completely ignoring it. It doesn't exist to Dabo. It's a figment of his imagination in his world. Mm-hmm. Georgia acknowledges its existence and goes and gets some players if they need some help. Clemson, Davo Sweeney is deciding to completely erase a resource just because of stubbornness. There is not a strong enough reason in the world to completely disregard transfer portal stuff. There's just not. Right, but okay, so you... You, you can maybe come back, but like you would use the transfer portal if you were a coach, right? It depends what type of recruits I'm getting on a regular basis. You brought up two guys for Georgia, but Georgia stars that were really studs that led those championship teams, those were homegrown recruits. Uh, but, okay, I, I, you can get what I told you. You can get the top 10 recruits out of high school. That'd be great. Why, why aren't you getting other talented dudes in the transfer portal? Oh, well, they're in the transfer portal? I'm good. USC is the best example I could think of because you look at Ohio State. That's another school. They don't necessarily eat off the transfer portal that hard. So, I mean, it's a great debate, but I just think that when you're routinely getting top 10 recruiting classes over the better part of a decade, I don't necessarily need to go into the portal unless it's to really get something specific. And so I don't think that's been one of the big ails for Clemson. But it's a debate that will rage on. But what will rage on when we come back is fire fizzle time. It's National Superhuman Day. So I'm going to give you some ACC football superhumans when we return on Sports Radio 92.7. WFNZ. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. McDonald's is not new to chicken. 
So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It's not Superhero Day, folks. It's Superhuman. Flex on him, Wes. Show him how superhuman you are. He doesn't have a cape. These other players don't have capes either. But for National Superhuman Day, which is a thing, folks, you learn something new every day, we're going to go with the ACC football superhumans. Wes will tell you if they are fire or if they are fizzle. Speaking of a transfer, Jared Verse, defensive lineman out of Florida State. He's a good one. Tell me if he's fire or fizzle. Well, when you talk about this young man right here, received the most all-ACC votes on defense, making him first-team all-conference last season. In his 15 games at Albany, he had 14 and a half sacks. NFL team said that he could have left FSU after one season and been a first-rounder. But another year in Tallahassee has made him both physically, mentally, everything you could expect get better. And we saw it against LSU as he came out and got a big sack on Sunday night. Six, three and a half, 260 pounds. Power cleans 360 pounds. Squats 555. Benches 455. And yeah, can he run? He's run as fast as 21.14 miles per hour in a game with a max acceleration of 5.85 meters per second with a max deceleration of negative 6.98 meters per second. When you're talking about Jared Verse, one of the best in the country, he is straight fire. Watch your head when he comes off the edge. One of the best in the country. Jared Verse, he's fire. Peyton Wilson. Is he a superhuman that has fire all around him, or is he just fizzle and Peyton Wilson, you know what, it's time to hang him up? Man, you can feel the intensity talking to this young man. I've had the pleasure of speaking to him a couple of times, and this young man sounds like he likes that hit stuff. Boy, if I didn't have more control, I probably would have let the other words slip. What you're talking about, this guy was a former standout lacrosse player and state champion wrestler. That's already freakish in and of itself. 6'4", 235 pounds. Led the ACC in tackles in 2020. Missed most of 2021 with a shoulder injury, but bounced back to get 82 tackles last season. But let's get to the super stuff. He's been clocked in the 40 at 4.49. Ran a 4.21 in the Pro Agility Shuttle this offseason. Bench presses 390, vertical jump. He's jumping out the gym, 35 and a half inches, broad jump, nine, eight and a half. When you're talking about Peyton Wilson from the NC State Wolfpack, one of the best the ACC has to offer. He is straight. Fizzle, I'm you letting my bias go through. They beat my Deeks last year. So, yeah, man, got to give him a fizzle. I figured, Fiddy, that's probably your favorite fizzle designation you've ever heard, <laughs> right, Fiddy? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't speak on him without using the dump button, so just move on. All right, we shall indeed. Another wide receiver from Pittsburgh, not Jordan Addison, but Bub Means. Oh, not Bubba, <laughs> but Bub Means. He sounds he like fire? he's... 
Or is he Fizzle West? This man has a name that sounds like he should be at Texas or Texas Tech or somewhere out in the country where they bail hay and throws, I don't know, whatever on the back of trucks. <laughs> but in 2019, Whatever. he began his college career as a defensive back at Tennessee. He then transferred to Louisiana Tech, where he became a big play wide receiver. Transferred again, so I guess that makes him superhuman because Not to uh, he can transport himself to different schools. But he transferred again, landing at Pitt, caught 27 passes for 401 yards and two touchdowns. This former three-star recruit, 6'2", 215 pounds, clocked in at 4.36 in the 40. Vertical jump, 39 inches, squatted over 500 pounds. Bub means from Pitt, freakish wide receiver, is straight. Fizzle, I never really heard him like that. He's got some great measurables, but uh, hasn't equated to a 1,000-yard season yet. He ain't, you could say, mean. Yes. That's tough, man. Bub means with those kind of measurable. All right, fizzle. Yeah, yeah. I want. Yeah. I, I, wanted, I mean, with those type of numbers, man, you should be out here looking like Jordan Addison. I, I wanted. I wanted a yelling Bub means soundbite out of you, but <laughs> Bub get, means. Oh, it doesn't feel the same. I'm sorry. Let's move on. <laughs> Tyler Davis, defensive lineman, Clemson. Is he fire or fizzle? Oh, man. Here we go. This is where you're starting to get to the real good stuff, man. This is one of the best defensive tackles in all of America. Second team All-ACC as a true freshman in 2019. Doesn't quite get the credit he deserved. He's battled through injuries, overshadowed by some players that came in, those big-time recruits that Dabo was bringing in. But 6'2", 302 pounds. But let's get to the numbers, folks. Bench press, 405 pounds. 30 reps of 225, squatted, 680. Walker, that's about three of you, huh? Probably four. Front squatted, 465. God, did I hate front squats. Power clean, 350. Deadlifts, 655. Also, can the big man run? 4.95 in the 40. Can I interest you in that? Okay. So when you're talking about Tyler Davis of the Clemson Tigers, Number 13 is straight fire. He's a monster. I was watching him and Ruka Roro warm up on Monday. Whoo, Lord, some big old boys, man. Ruka Roro was so hyped. He had me over there like, man, I would not want to deal with this guy for 60 minutes. Bub Means and Aurora. Love it. <laughs> Great names in the ACC. Last one. I have a feeling where this is going, but sometimes you surprise me, Wes. So I'll let you tell me. Malik Mustafa. And it's Malik. Actually, Malik Mustafa. Yes. Defensive back out of Wake Forest. Malik Mustafa. Man, they say big things can come in small packages sometimes. And this young young man personifies that. Fresh out of Weddington. Same high school that produced Will Shipley. So he's a local kid. He seemed to be everywhere for the Wake defense in 2022. 58 tackles, eight tackles for loss, three and a half sacks, two forced fumbles at 5'10", 205 pounds. But he is a 1,300-pound lifter. That is encompassing of three lifts, bench, squat, and power clean. Vertical jumps, 36 and a half inches. And, yeah, he can run. He's hit as high as 23 miles per hour on the GPS in a game. Malik Mustafa, Wake Forest. Mother so dear. Where do you think this is going? Yes, Malik. Sorry about that. (laughs) Malik Mustafa, Wake Forest. Mother so dear. Where do you think this is going? I know where it's going. You know where it's going. He is straight. Fire. It's a fellow demon deke. Tell him. Cut that music off. Fire, 
fizzle. That's it. All fire today. A <laughs> little bit of fizzle, but I like the segment still. It's everybody's favorite. It's a staple, and it's always a strong way to end the 1 o'clock hour. Let's move on to the 2 o'clock hour. We'll continue to talk about the Carolina Panthers and play some sound bites in the live wire. It's coming up next. Weston Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.